Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there and if you tell your opponent what do i use on my racket i use the mega tack you're going to be attacking with that mega tack from start to finish if you've seen anything we do at cracked rackets you know i'm a hairy guy as you can imagine i sweat when i play the only grip that works for me is the turn of tennis grip of course the mega tack taking things to the next level how can you get yourself hooked up with a turn of grip today it's simple you're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you'll get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today Uh, hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge Editor Podcast. I'm once again joined by my friend Jakub, and we're going to discuss uh, a very exciting week of Challenge Editor action. Also, uh, you know, preview another one, which is going to be crazy in the sense that you get to wake up, watch Nur Sultan, and then go to sleep watching like two more challengers or even three if, uh, if the one in um, Italy will have night matches. And before we before we start, there's a couple of additional things. We've got two player retirements to cover. Which uh, which one are we starting with? Uh, let's start with with Kamke. Uh, Tobias Kamke calling time on his career at 36 years old. Uh, it, was, it was you know, I feel like a little bit. Uh, it's been coming for a while. I think it's been yeah. it's been a while. He's been a, a really effective player. Um, but you know, he he had this career with eight challenger titles, eight more finals, spanning over the course of twelve years, uh, beginning all the way back in Helsinki in two thousand and seven. Uh, that was his first final, and his last one uh, ended up being Braunschweig in twenty nineteen, uh, which he lost to Checo Monteiro. Uh, but yeah, he hadn't won a title on the challenger tour since twenty sixteen. Uh, his real sort of peak seemed to be around you know. 2011 to 2014 sort of uh when, when it came to uh the rankings um but yeah th- th- tell me what, what do you think will like to be to ask him people sort of be uh remembered for probably not much to be honest i mean he he was in the top 100 for five years straight in terms of like the the year year end i i didn't really know that Mostly as in his prime, I, I maybe didn't know that much about lower ranked players yet. 
Uh, and I think this is one of the guys that will probably be a little bit forgotten in terms of history. But yeah, he, uh, as as you can see, he was he was actually in the top 100 for for about five years, which I definitely didn't know. And crazily enough, he's also been awarded newcomer of the year by the ATP, which is, <laughs> uh, sounds ridiculous when you when you talk about this now, but. Uh, basically, they were sort of expecting that progress of his to continue, and it never really did. Uh, but still, obviously, we've, we've had some fun watching him on the Challenger Tour recently. I agree, it's been coming. Uh, he even said this in an, in an interview I read, that he, it was a decision that he was basically... Uh, considering since I don't know, two or three years, but all the time he felt like, no, that's not the right time and, and all. And yeah, now now he feels like he, he should be doing this. It's a little bit of a shame that he didn't get a Hamburg singles wildcard, like at least qualies yeah. or something. Yeah. I, I don't know if he asked, so we, we can't really blame the organizers without getting, you know, without knowing the full situation. But still, I, I I figured that he probably can get one in in, in Hamburg. He, he's just going to play doubles with Dustin Brown. He hasn't technically retired yet because this week he's going to. Uh, yeah, to he, he, is, he is yet to play his his yeah. last uh, match. But yeah, I mean, we he might go all the way with, with Dustin Brown. Who knows? Brown is a good doubles player. I actually don't remember Kamuke much in in doubles. To be honest, I'm I'm trying to see. Yeah. He, he hasn't played at all in doubles this season, and he only played three tournaments last season, winless. Uh, so maybe, uh, yeah, wait. He actually hasn't won a doubles match since 2018. Yeah, that's uh, why it's even weirder, right? That they, they <laughs> yeah, that's a doubles one. So maybe it was actually the tournament saying that you know we cannot give you one in singles, but play doubles. I don't know. Uh, and the, the other guy we have is Mario Vieja Martinez, someone who's been in form a lot more recently, but this year has seemed hampered by injuries, only really showed up in, uh, in Grand Slam qualifying and a few other events, but you know not much, definitely without much success. His last match is going to be against Danek Kolash at Wimbledon, so 6-1-0 retirement, so uh, definitely uh, not something that he wants to be remembered from this year as, as a whole. Uh, and it actually seemed like he was doing some progress, especially last year. He started working with Giraldo, had that fantastic run in the summer in Todi, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it comes as a as a bit a bit of a surprise, mostly because of the age, right? That he's yeah, he's, he's only twenty seven. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty surprised. I'm I'm not sure what the what the injury was. Uh, well, it's it not not like not only about injuries. You know, he uh, I read an interview with him, and he said that he was basically like it was a ver- very spiritual decision, like that he just never really felt happy on the court. And oh. even though there were better moments, it's just not something that he wants to pursue. He has some other ideas for himself. Apparently, he's also moved to Marbella and been working with Pepe Imas, uh, the, the the famous guru who was the coach of Novak Djokovic for a while. And he also adapted that Amor y Paz philosophy. If, if some listeners don't know Spanish, it's like love and peace, literally. And... Um, yeah, and that's also why he why he chose to retire. Hiraldo is also very a very spiritual man, as it turns out, and it's probably just you know from a, on a personal level, it didn't make much sense for Via Martinez to continue playing. 
uh, which also is a very nice connection to the famous rocket smash that he, that he had, <laughs> because this is probably what he's going to be remembered for the most. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we wish him the best uh, on, on his journey uh, to, to find peace and love. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, do you want to talk about the the Polish? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, because the, a lot of uh, my challenger watching this week was hampered by being at the at the Polish national championships. Uh, I was there for the first time, but the you know the field was so great that I uh, it definitely felt like something I should do, even though it's actually on the opposite end of Poland. And uh, well, and because there were some challenger players in there, then I, I think I can I can still give you some sort of an update. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Daniel Michalski won the title and wasn't hey. really wasn't really threatened to be honest with you. I mean, Mike Schack was in the draw, but he pulled out after the first match with a thigh injury. Uh, so you know he uh, Michalski was instantly the favorite for the title, but the the, the semi final against Filip Pelivo was definitely cool. Uh, I was surprised at the level Pelivo played because he was actually really aggressive, forced Daniel to you know, take the find another gear, and I didn't think he could really do that at this point in time. Uh, interestingly, Pelivo also said that he was going to play hard courts from now on if he can, because he still feels like you know he he can play uh, much better there. And after seeing him play against Michalski, seeing him being so aggressive on the court, I, I'm actually you know, inclined to pr- probably agree. We'll see how he does. He's actually going to play a Futures in Portugal this week, uh, which he said himself that it might be a little bit too early to make the jump from play to, to hard, but uh, but well. And who else? Uh, Michalski played Chash in the quarterfinals, but frankly, I mean, Chash is just in no form right now and in no like mental state to compete. I'm not surprised he hasn't been doing that well. He's also made a number of stupid scheduling decisions. Like there were ITFs in Poland, Bitton Wrocław, he didn't play them. He went to Tunisia to play hardcourts, which was just, just insane. And he came here, he well, he won two matches against Szymon Walkow and uh, Przemysław Michotski, but he was really just a big mess. And he, he hates the Michalski matchup because he cannot really accelerate of these higher trajectory balls like he i remember watching their their match in bitgosh two years ago during the pandemic and he kept calling daniel names like related to moon balls balloons even condoms <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was it was pretty funny and i but i didn't think it was that bad a matchup because when chash was in good form in 2020 Michalski led their head-to-head three three and one but when there, you know, these matches were close, like when he was in good form, he was able to counteract it somehow. And here it was a six to six to, and he never released really to the chance and didn't even seem that motivated. Uh, the other finalist was Angelinski, whom I, I remember you, you mentioned a few times as, as someone who can, who has a lot of potential. Obviously he's mostly been doing that in doubles. But when I, when I looked at his records from singles in 2021, I mean, he played only three events, but Every time he's been very competitive in, in challenger qualifying or even won a main draw match in uh, in Spain. And I, I was a little stunned by this run because he beat guys like Kashnikovsky, Zhuk, which was definitely a big shocker. And he doesn't even play singles the way most doubles specialists do. He, he's actually putting in the work in the rallies. 
and yeah. somehow he was able to maintain his physicality all the way to the final because even in the match against the third round match against Kashnikovsky, he was already like barely surviving physically. Same thing happened in the semis in the in the quarters, but he still kept going and he's actually the like the best player of the week because because he won the doubles and finished runner up in singles. And uh, yeah, who, who else was there? Zhuk, as I said, lost to Zielinski. Uh, I thought he was getting some better rhythm after Braunschweig and winning two matches here, especially as he had a tough uh, round two opponent, Jan Wojcik. He's also like in the, in the top 100, in the top 1000. And uh, yeah, he just lost to Zielinski, which I guess can, can happen because they know each other so well. But even before this match, Zielinski was saying that their their head to head record is like one to one to a million. <laughs> so right now, it, I guess it's two to a million, and it's obviously not a loss that Zhuk wants to have with his confidence with where he is right now. Uh, I mentioned Kashnikovsky and Kelan as well. They they didn't really do well. Uh, both went out in the third round. I think Kelan just really wants to. Uh, go to hard courts and he should be able to to do that uh, they're, they're, they're maybe not really challenger players as of yet like they only show up in Polish events but we're definitely going to see both of them in in Kozerki next month on hard courts which which Kelan should enjoy and I guess the last player to talk about is Jerzy Janowicz who was just dead awful and won three games against Kashnikowski and just oh, didn't Jesus see... really? Yeah, 6-1, 6-2 and they, they played in Wrocław a couple of weeks back. And it was a tight free setter. I mean, it was 2-2 uh, in the third when the, when it was uh, postponed to the other day. And then on the, I think it was on Friday, uh, Janowicz didn't win a game. Like from 2-2, it went to 6-2. But still, it was a, a pretty tight match. And here he only won three games. But he really didn't seem too interested in playing either. Like from... 3-0 or whatever the, the score was after three games. I don't know if it was 2-1 or 3-0, but definitely with a break. And uh, he just didn't seem interested in doing that. I mean, he was basically just trying to slap the forehand and a few times it worked, of course. But uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen him like that this year, for sure. And we'll see how, how this continues. He's also probably very excited to get to hard courts. But I could certainly oh, see him. Yeah, I could. I, but I could certainly see him like play Kozerki, lost, losing the first round, and you know, call it quits because he just didn't seem in a in a, in a good place. Which is weird because he's actually like walking around the, the event. He's he was there for even more than he than he was supposed to. Like he stayed uh, a couple of days after his loss. He seemed very happy and all. He he's actually like really willing to talk to people right now compared to how he was in his prime. So it seemed to me like he's in, like, in the right place. Uh, but yeah, maybe hard courts can, can change anything. And I think that that's pretty much covers it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly interesting. Um, I mean, it, it's sort of worrying that he would sort of play like that and only win three games uh, because that see, it feels mostly like, like an effort thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, as he said, it's going to be sort of make or break, I think, for the remainder of the year on the hard courts, especially once yeah. we get to indoor and stuff. Yeah, um, he actually has to like travel to 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 play. Um, yeah. He has to play outside of Poland. We actually saw him only in Lugano this year when he when he started his his campaign. He also said that he had a wild card to Zagreb, uh, but he that that he was sick. Zagreb was mm -hmm. like between Lugano and Poznan, right? But I'm not sure if he's, you know, we'll see if he's actually willing to travel and we'll see if there are challengers that can still give him wildcards because 
we don't really we don't really know what's going there like behind closed doors in, in whom he's been talking to how many challengers are still actually willing to do that and i actually suspect that after his recent efforts probably the number will be smaller than it was at the beginning hmm. yeah yeah i mean i would love to see bratislava give him a qualifying wild card um but yeah well we'll see uh what happens with that but yeah i was i was also not maybe not surprised but it, it was interesting uh hearing that that Paliva was there and mm -hmm. sort of i mean i guess encouraging that he's taking the the nationality change fully seriously that it's not just like a like a davis cup technicality of sorts or just like a way to to mine some wild cards uh, out of poland uh, but that he's you know going and playing the national championships so yeah that no was he actually it. played it last year as well even though he wasn't oh, representing okay. poland yet he has he had like a polish tennis federation license and uh he, he didn't do well but right now he he's living in poland so yeah, yeah. so it's, it's not it's definitely not like only only a switch it, it's something that he well, obviously, it helps that he's bilingual and like not didn't mm -hmm. really have any ha, has a lot to do in, with Poland anyway. But yeah, and yeah. there was a you reminded me of one player that I didn't mention. You might remember last month in Ludenscheid there was a wild card Marta Zieliński, oh, uh, yeah, which, yeah. which we considered pretty crazy. And I mean, uh, I I learned a lot about this guy this week because he made the semis at the Polish national championships. He's oh, apparently wow. a dual citizen of Poland and Germany. And mm -hmm. he, he was born in Poland, in Złotoryja, and left when he was six. And in, in Ludenscheid, he, he, he lives there, he, he trains there, and he apparently doesn't even have an ITF junior profile, which is crazy. Yeah, I, he, he didn't have anything. All I could find yeah. was some article about him winning like a regional mm -hmm. championship, and that's why he got the well. Exactly. He, he, said that, he said he plays a lot in the, in the German league system, that he beats some players in the top 400, 300, that he trains with Struff sometimes. Uh, he actually had one ITF played in 2018 and then three, three years of nothing. And right now he seems to be playing a pretty decent schedule. Uh, his father was the Polish national champion in 1999, oh. <laughs> which, which is pretty insane. Yeah. And, and he, his level was like for a guy who only has one ranking point and he got it over EFCAF retirement. It, it was really fantastic. I mean, he's like a ball machine from the baseline. Like if you if you feed him the same ball, he's just going to reply every single time in the same spot. Uh, he's not comfortable attacking at all. Uh, there were a lot of points in the in the match, match against Jelinski, which he could have won if he just you know, could smash, but he let the ball bounce and like hit a normal forehand of it. He's clearly not yeah. not really doing well on the offense, but the the quality of the ball, the regularity is is just great. And I, I I'm actually fairly certain that if he starts playing ITFs, then um, like more regularly because he's been playing some this year, then I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident that he's actually going to grab a lot more points. He only played uh, four IT, four events this year so far. He's also playing in the Polish Superliga. I actually, uh, it's not it's not the Superliga, but the second league. And I actually, he was in Gdańskis today, so I also got to watch him. And he uh, crushed the the Polish under eighteen national national champion. Uh, I'm not saying it's like a superb win because he's not probably not ready to play in like compete in on that level yet, but still I think that uh, he's got so much quality for a guy who just appeared out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean he's he's very intrigued, he's a very intriguing player for sure. Uh and I hope that we get to see more of him. 
Right. Uh, let's go into the challengers. Uh, starting in Yashi, the only 100 of the week, where we had Felipe Meligini Alves winning the title, beating Pablo Andujar 6 3, 4 6, 6 2 for a second challenger title. Uh, moving up 25 spots, number 144, breaking the top 150 for the first time in his career. Uh, Meligini Alves beat Pereira, Sanchez Izquierdo, Ferreira Silva, and Darderi. Uh, yeah, a bit of a surprising one, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the, the whole week in Iasi was honestly pretty strange. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember us thinking about the George Shevchenko quarterfinal. Then they both lost first round in really terrible performances, things we haven't and seen from them. Which was such yeah. a weird loss. And Shevchenko, like, I'm, I'm not saying losing to Puccinelli Dalmeida is awful, but only taking five games. And mm. Klein then seemed like a very strong candidate to, to win the whole thing. And he just played an awful match against Andujar. I, I, I don't really think that Andujar even played well this week, like in, at any point, really. It, it was just one of these weeks when you can reach the final out of, out of nowhere. In the, fi- in, in the final itself, he had a very short, good spell in the second set. He was 6-3-1-0 with a breakdown and then won f- four games. And he actually looked like Pablo Andujar. Like he was doing that, you know, f- the forehand was pretty good. He was doing that controlled aggression and constructing rally stuff that he's been doing his whole career. And then it all just went away. I, I don't even think he played well to win the second set. It was just an awful game by Marigani Alves. But I like the fact that Marigani Alves took the title because he's sort of been a very regular quarter finalist this year, especially in, in altitude conditions. And I think Iasi, as much as it's only on slight altitude, it's still a little bit faster than most uh, clay court challengers, which I think could also really explain what happened to guys like Chori Shevchenko. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just to run through Andujar's numbers as well, his 21st challenger final, uh, his record in finals is 11 and 10. Uh, he gets back to the top 100 after a couple of weeks out, moving up 11 spots, number 94. Uh, his wins were over Alvarez, Varona, Vessels, Klein, and Puccinelli de Almeida. Uh, right, I think we can talk about the semi-finalists here. Let's start with Puccinelli de Almeida, who uh, reached it as a qualifier. He he had a bye to, to start with, but and then he beat uh, Gima to qualify, but then wins over Shevchenko, Delors, and Blancano. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Puccinelli de Almeida here? It's been a while since we sort of saw him make a make a deeper run. Yeah, I've definitely missed uh, the, the guy like doing some good stuff on the Challenger Tour. Again, I wasn't too impressed with the semifinals, which was, I think, along with the Shevchenko win, the, the, only, the only thing I saw from Puccinelli de Almeida the, the whole week. And um, I, I, I really think that the conditions, at least in most matches, looked a little bit like unique. In Iasi and and Meligani Alves was it certainly played in in his favor. I think to an extent, Puccinelli de Almeida as well, but he just completely lost. Every, I mean, lost his level after after the opener versus Andujar, and then he'll probably be a little disappointed with that. And yeah, yeah as you said, it, it it really hasn't been like the the last few months. He's been very disappointing. Uh, yeah. And the other semifinalist was Luciano Darderi, uh, who beat Frunza and then Svrčina Edlehečka in the quarterfinals to reach his second semifinal in 2022. Uh, yeah, he's sort of become this like 
really strong doubles player, Daddy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, what did you think of him having a bit of a deeper run in singles this week? He's actually made his fourth straight quarterfinal in the challenger. Yeah. Perhaps haven't hasn't really threatened to win uh, one mm. this year, but well, maybe when he maybe when he played uh, Munar in uh, in Perugia, yeah, it's it's definitely he. We're going to talk about about a bit of a more promising Italian, I think, uh, in a, in a few minutes. Uh, but it's quite shocking to me that that he's already in the top two hundred. And it, he's just another one of these guys that, if you were to list out the all the young Italians, the you know, the, the the amount of them would just look ex- absolutely crazy. At least in the yeah. top three hundred or top two hundred, even. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anybody else? Or do you want to talk about any of the quarterfinalists or somebody there? I think we can. I mean, I I, I kind of mentioned Klein already. Lehechka yeah. had a very weird week again. Like I, I I don't really get what's been what's been happening to him. Really. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 quite weird uh, with with Lehechka Klein. Um, yeah, I, I I feel like it, it was a, a solid week. I was quite happy with his win over Olivo uh, mm-hmm. when I watched him. But yeah, uh, if he, I, I didn't watch the Andujar match, but you said that he was quite poor. Yeah. Um, oh, that that's probably an understatement. I can't really <laughs> remember seeing Lukas Klein play like this. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that, that's not great. Uh, yeah, in the doubles we had Jeffrey Blancano and Reza Olivo win the title, 10-6 in the super tiebreaker. Uh, it's the second title for each of them. They had them with different partners, though. Olivo winning with uh, Quiarini, while Blancano won with Alexander Muller in Sanremo. Uh, and they beat Hidalgo Rodriguez, who are uh, uh, the number three in the challenger race. They're one of these, you know, elite three challenge doubles teams that seem to reach a final at least every single week. Um, uh, yeah, it's their 10th final already this season, which is uh, pretty insane. Uh, 41 and 14 is the record, four titles and then six finals. This is, it, it's, it's crazy, honestly. <laughs> um but yeah, I feel, I feel like we can go to Amersfoort, mm-hmm. where I got a point with Talon Griekspor winning the title. 6-1-6-2 over Roberto Carbaez Baena. It was the top two seeds meeting in the final. His 11th challenger title. Uh, he gets to remain in the top 50 uh, at number 47, his career high ranking right now. Uh, his run, he beat Baranco Cusano. Jombor Piroz, Vitali Sachko, Ivan Gajo in the semis, and then this dismantlement of Karbaev Bayana in the final. Yeah, what did you think of him this week? Yeah, there were a couple of lost sets, of course. Uh, mm. Perhaps the one against Gakov doesn't sound that, that great. Against Piroz, you can, you can obviously lose sets. But Karbaev Bayana, I mean, the, the demolition that he, that he performed in the final, I even saw a compilation of like all town Greek sport winners in the other sort final. And it was pretty long because there, there there were so many of them and not not all of them just huge forehands i mean a couple of great lobs as well this was just one of these days when carbaez baena gets to play a, a very strong player someone who can overpower him with ease and he just cannot derail the guy in any shape or form and i guess that's the kind of losses that's been ke- that, that have been keeping him from you know, getting the career to a to any level. Greek sport right now unbeaten in challengers. Did we expect anything else? I guess I did because I picked Pasatafa. Yeah, yeah, I was very shocked that you didn't pick him last week, and, and I was right in that. 
But yeah, I, I it it's just sort of top felt seat, like, top seat aversion that I, that I developed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just sort of felt like he was going to win this. Um, I mean, he, 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 he's been sort of having some, I guess, mixed results or not great results this season on the on the ATP uh, tour. But it just felt like, like he's he still has it. He's he's still the same guy that he was last season, and last season he was dominant throughout like the the summer onwards. Um, I, I'm sort of curious to see if we see him drop down a couple of times more, just to make sure that he makes up the the, the points. Uh, if if he sort of gets uh, you know three match losing streak on the on the main tour, does he just choose to okay I'll I'll drop down this week just to get my my you know fifty or eighty points? Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see what the scheduling is going to be like for the rest of the year for Greek sport. Um, as for Karbais by night, it was his 16th challenger final. Uh, he was so he was he was he was doing pretty well, sort of going through the draw, beating uh, Cells, Adrian Andreo, and Luca Vanash all in straight sets. Uh, then he dropped the set against Zapatamirais, but pulled it out six three in the third. But then this loss to the Greek sport. Uh, yeah, how, how do you sort of, uh, you know, balance this this week for Carabaez Baena? Finally, a good one, because he was, he didn't get through round two in four previous challengers, which is like unheard yeah. of for, for him. <laughs> I mean, he's he's the guy who always makes the quarterfinals in challengers. Uh, probably not, never really does on the ATP tour instead, but I mean, that, that's just how he is. And the, the the series that he's had recently was weird. I think it was connected to some health issues as well. So it looks like they're they're probably behind him. I guess I was a little bit surprised with the Zapata Miralesh win, but maybe not after uh, the match that, Zap- that Bernabe had against Taro Daniel because it, it, it wasn't bad or anything, but it was just a huge mess with both guys not taking a multitude of break points and then somehow somehow Bernabe coming out on top so I guess he wasn't that sharp in the, this week to begin with um yeah we, we could talk a bit about Zapata Mirais as well uh he was your pick for the title right yeah yes yeah uh and he sort of started uh, by dropping a set to Krumi pulled it out 6-4 in the third then he ripped through Lamassine 6-1-6-2 then another very tough match against Taro Daniel 7-6 in the third before losing to Karbaez Baena. Yeah, where, where do you sort of see him right now? Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's great that he's already in the top 100 because he surely deserves that, right? Mm-hmm. I wish he he plays a little bit more on the on the main turn from now on because that's it feels like that's what he should be doing. Obviously, I think he's in... Uh, he's going to be in like Umag or, or Kidsbill, right? Is he is he playing this week? I actually don't. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think he, he is in Hamburg, right? Yeah, yeah. No, he is yeah. in Kstad. Sorry, he's playing Munar in Kstad, Munar. which is a, an interesting match as well, given the altitude. <laughs> I have no idea what will happen there. But yeah, he, he, he should definitely try to play on the main tour from now on because he actually doesn't defend that much from challengers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he had that one... Heilbronn title last year and Poznan, but Poznan is dropping really soon and Heilbronn is already long gone. So so yeah, he, he doesn't really have that much to defend in the latter half of the year. So this is certainly, this could be a very good uh, time for him. I mean, aside from, from the US Open, because he was he was also in the second round there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we had Ivan Gajo uh, reach the semifinals here as a qualifier. Uh, starting by beating Semverbeek and Sidane Ponjo de Crimo. 
uh, in the qualifying before beating Denny Wasserman, Artur Fils, and Max Hukas in the quarterfinals. Um, yeah, took a set of, of Breaksport as well. What did you think of Gaku this week? I think we talked about him like two or three months ago that he was probably a bit underrated. Uh, I don't think this is a run that he's going to be uh, repeating you know, every week, but certainly taking a set of Greek sport is pretty huge for a guy like this. And we had that insane quarterfinal between him and Max Hoax, who came even more out of nowhere and actually had a win over Gakov this year. Uh, obviously, Hoax had like a few ITF semis, but this was his uh, challenger debut. And it was just crazy to see someone perform at this level. He wasn't that sharp in the in the Gakov quarterfinal, especially the first set. But still, uh, you know, watching these guys like Gakov and Hokas is just yet another uh, example of how deep uh, men's tennis, especially, is because these are these are guys who are not really like winning ITFs or anything. Gakov obviously has a, I, I I didn't check that, but I, I I'm pretty sure he has a few titles, but. Uh, it, it wasn't really, it, it's not the case at, at all for Max Hoax. And then he just comes here and, you know, defeats guys like Skatov, a top 100 player in Taberner. His Taberner, forehand yeah. looks like a huge weapon. And it's it's just crazy that these guys cannot break through. I'm actually checking. Yeah, Gakov has won a lot of ITF singles titles. Yeah, it seems, seems like he should have. Uh, how many is that? 13. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was shocked by by Hoax. I, I never heard of him before this week, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, yeah, pulling off wins over over Skatov and Tabernet, um, very impressive. I mean, I, I uh, must have yeah. heard of him because he beat uh, Max Kashnikovsky in May. But if you ask me, like who Max Hoax was, I I would not have made the connection at all. So I also had no idea, absolutely. Yeah, and perhaps we should also mention uh, Luca Banash. Uh, who had a nice nice run uh, into the quarterfinals out of qualifying. Uh, he beat Nakagawa and Oscar Jose Gutierrez in qualifying before pulling off a big upset over Zizou Bergs, 6-4 in the third. Then he beat, then he beat Alexander Martin Young, 6-2 uh, before losing to Carbaez Baena. Uh, yeah, sort of after after Blois, another, another strong run from Vanash. What did you think of him this week? Yeah, I, I was very excited for the match between him and Alexander Martin Young, because Young seemed like uh, an even more random guy than Martin Zielinski, maybe. Like, he didn't even have a ranking. He was basically, uh, I mean, he, he came even more out of nowhere, probably. And then he, he was absolutely crushed by Van Asch, but I guess... I guess you could sort of expect that. Yeah, just, just another very solid run for, for the guy who probably should be able to play challengers without having to qualify for them at this point. Uh, I guess if he scheduled himself a little differently, he probably could, but you know, there's not much sense in really going to another continent or, or what, if he's making it through most of these qualities anyway, at least right now, because before the, before the French, he probably wasn't. Yeah. Uh, and in the doubles, we had the home team, the second seeds, Robin Haas and Sam Verbeek. Uh, win their second title in in three weeks after winning Ludenscheid together. Uh, they're you know uh, undefeated this season together, which which is pretty great for them. Uh, and they beat Barrientos and Reyes Varela, uh, who are the new number ones in the race. And this was their eighth uh, final of the season. Yeah, so let's go to Verona then, right? 
Yes, Verona, where we had Francesco Maestrelli win the title over Pedro Cacin, 3-6, love his first challenger title uh, after reaching a final earlier this season. Uh, he moves up 100 spots, number 237, breaking the top 300, breaking the top 250. So we'll be seeing a lot more of him, we expect. Uh, his run began in qualifying by beating uh, Kabeci and Vatutin. Uh, then in the main draw, he took out Gilles Simon. Uh, he had a, quite a tough match against Bonadio uh, and then earned wins over Koboli and Ofner before taking out Kachin. Uh, incredible run, very strong run. Uh, yeah, what did you think of it this week? Gilles Simon made the, made the tweet after their, uh, he lost this first round to Maestrelli that it seems like every single time he plays the Challenger Tour, the level gets even higher. And <laughs> then, you know, at the end of the week, Maestrelli won the title. Uh, I was also talking to a friend in Bitom where the, where the Polish national championships were held. And he said like that, that Maestrelli, something along the lines of that Maestrelli is one of the Italians he doesn't expect any breakthrough from <laughs> it was also at the beginning of the week as you can probably guess uh yeah absolutely amazing run obviously catching run out of fuel in the final but maestrelli still had to play very well to get him there because his energy levels seemed like seemed like catching is just absolutely <laughs> restless and he can just play like this forever uh the backhands that maestrelli has is just insane like the the, the winners down the line all week the timing it, it was it was fantastic to watch and this guy is 19 as well obviously he's going to finish 20 in uh this year in december but still i mean i uh, i don't think we really like thought of him that much when he even reached the final in franca villa almare but he's made some insane progress in the in the past three months, just like all the other Italians around him. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they're just uh, constantly motivating each other to to keep doing well. It, it's probably to an extent. Uh, some it's probably the case to to some extent. And and yeah, and he he just grabbed his first title, which also makes me think of how unlucky Francesco Passaro was. But I, I, I think if he if he keeps playing like this, he's going to join uh, the likes of Passaro in my uh, you know at least in my mind in in the near future. It's it's really something that uh, that we cannot. We're we're just going to have to keep talking about how there's just some random guy from Italy that shows up on the on the Challenger Tour, and he plays one good match, I don't know, in like February or something, and then we just know that in two or three months he's suddenly going to be one of the most dominant forces in the in these Challengers because it really hasn't been like this one run. He made the quarters in Todi. He made the second round in Trois. He made the final in Franca Villalmare, a challenger fifty, but still. And yeah, it's it's just insane. Yeah, it feels like once again every other week there, there there's a different young Italian that just pops up, and 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 you know goes either to the final or in this case takes the title, which is insane. Um. Let's talk about Pedro Cacin here, uh, his ninth challenger final here, five and four. It was a sixth this season. Uh, and with this result, he ties up, uh, he, he, he ties for first in the challenger race at 475 points with Quentin Alice. Uh, it, sort of it sort of felt like a matter of time since Alice hasn't played on the challenger tour in about, I don't know, I think it's like nine weeks or something. 
but incredibly impressive. Uh, he he we we sort of both talked about how he hasn't been able to sort of go back to back weeks really after going deep in a week, uh, and he he changed that this week for sure. Uh, starting with the win over Serdarosic and then Mattia Bellucci. Then a, a very tough match against Jerome Kim in the quarterfinals. Uh, came back from a sit-down against Cecchinato in the semis to win 7-5 in the third. Uh, yeah, he was just battling all the way through, but ultimately ran out of fuel in the final. Uh, yeah, what, do, what, did you, what did you think of Caccini? Yeah, lots of fun watching him in the night matches the, this week, for sure, because he got all of them pretty much. I, I remember the one against Bellucci and Cecchinato and Kim were definitely night. I, 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 I don't know about that with Serdarusic, but I think so as well. And uh, and yeah, uh, he's just absurdly good this this year, and especially since that team win in Marbella, and the their growth, like the the potential for ranking growth, is still is still huge because he's right now he's 90th in the in the ATP rankings, and until March 2023, he's defending about 70 points. Wow. So he he really has like a clean slate. And it's, you know, again, we talked about it last week, but it shows you how different the rankings are post, uh, like almost post the freeze, because you know, still some people have points from 2019, 2020, but this is going to, this is coming to an end. And we can see that, that, you know, you can simply have free simply, but you know, you can have four months on the challenger tour and then go to the you know top 90 because it's not like catching cannot get 850 points that were required for the top 100 before but right now 850 points is what is what you would have at 52nd in the rankings which is uh, a huge difference and that's why someone who can who's pretty much picked for three months and a half and obviously has done incredibly well in that period but with only this pretty still pretty short stretch it's like a quarter of the it's like a quarter of the 52 weeks that the atp rankings take into consideration you can still get so far and the potential for growth is just insane especially as i think we're going to have uh probably have a lot of south american challengers at the end of the year as well and i don't think kachin will be interested in staying here for like paris or something i mean paris he would have to qualify for so probably not yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he can absolutely tear it up there as well. I would not be surprised in the slightest. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's talk about the semifinalists, starting with uh, Cecchinato, who began uh, the week by beating uh, Tiago Tirante, uh, then had a bit of a weird match against Brancaccio, where he dropped the second set 6-1, uh, but won 6-2 in the, in the third. Uh, then he he destroyed Horansky six one six two, but then pushed Kachin uh, quite close. He he won the the first set tiebreaker fourteen to twelve, got bagled in the second set, but then won seven five in the third. Uh, yeah, How, what, what did you think of checking uh, out this week? He sort of uh, made the quarterfinals. I see here four out of the five. Uh, for, for his last five challengers. Uh, so yeah, do you think he's, he's sort of due for, for a final? I picked him to win this week and he was yeah. five free up in the third against Kachi. So I, yeah, yeah. I, I think he really missed a chance here, especially as Maestrelli in the final. Well, as good as he was playing, I mean, this wasn't the rival that Takinato would be super afraid of. Like this was certainly winnable for him, of course. And after the way Chakinato started the year with, what was it, 11 straight losses, 
it's clear now that he's like you know not back to his best because it's he's obviously not playing at top 20 level but he's just back to where we know he can be like all year round mm-hmm. absolutely uh and then we also had sebastian offner uh reach the semi-finals starting by being uh, Genesi and Cedric Matsoštebe in straight sets. Uh, then he came back from a set down against Gombos in the quarterfinals, uh, took a set of Maestrelli in the semis. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Ofner? Yeah, that's a very good run again. Uh, I think we've been both very surprised, uh, maybe not very surprised, but very happy about the quality that Ofner has shown since returning to the Tour. And it should be should be a matter of time before he keeps ascending the rankings. And I guess he's sort of doing that even with a with a semi-final in Verona. Yeah, and then we should also definitely mention Jerome Kim, uh, who's yeah. sort of one of these uh, younger Swiss guys reaching the quarterfinals as a qualifier. He sort of had a down a couple of weeks uh, in on, on the ITFs. Actually lost to Lukas Pokorny uh, in the second round of, a, of an ITF 15 in Slovenia last week so to reach so to see him reach the the quarters here was very surprising but he began with a retirement for Medvedevich in the in the qualifying uh then beat Remy Bettola 6-4 in the third uh he got a nice draw to start with in the main draw as well against Benat Tomic uh that was a straight set win uh then he continued with another straight set win against Alexander Muller and really pushed Kachin 6-4 in the third uh yeah just how encouraging of a week was this for Kim Oh, very. I mean, I, I didn't think he had the movements to compete on clay with guys like Kachin or Miller. Uh, obviously, the power on the servant forehand is there, but, uh, you know, the, it, it still felt super raw, especially as the first three greens were, well, not really that impressive. Medvedevich was a retirement, Bertola is pretty good, but still nothing compared to Miller or Kachin, Tomic on clay. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I, I was very shocked to see him play as well as he did against Miller and Kachin. He lost in uh, to Elias Immer in Stad Qualis. Actually, uh, from what I read, I didn't see it. He had a lot of mental issues in this one, just committing very simple errors whenever he had a chance to, to snatch the second set. Uh, but but yeah, the, this was really encouraging for sure. To see him just compete against such a great baseliner as Kachin on clay was something I did not expect in the slightest. Um, yeah, in the doubles, we had Luis David Martinez and Andrea Babasori uh, take the title. They, it was their first time that they've teamed up uh, this season. They, they played together a, a couple of tournaments last year. Um, and yeah, they beat Galarza and Lipovsek Puches, 12-10 in the Super Tiebreaker in the final. Uh, yeah, we can go on to Rome. Not that Rome, it's Rome, Georgia, uh, where we had Yibing Wu take the title over Ben Shelton, 7-5-6-3. His third challenger title moves up 96 spots, number 233. Uh, He did not drop a single set all week. Uh, Started with a retirement in the second set against uh, Jaziri. Uh, Then he beat Blanche, uh, JJ Wolf, 6-1-6-love, I think, against Juan Pablo Fikovic. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Yibing with this week? Yeah, 25-4 for the year, and only three three of these losses ca- uh, came through retirement. He yes. only lost wow. to Jason Kubler in an like actual completed match. And even in these retirements, I think one was at 5-5, five, five, 
Like one was yeah, when he, he was well, yeah against Sekiguchi, he was up six one five five six one five five, and one was at yeah. five five at the beginning of the year against yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Gage Brimmer, I think. And there was also this one, uh, and there was also this one against Borg, which was like the only one where he was actually down in the score five seven zero three. So it, it, it's really crazy. It's so much better than what he was showing before the hiatus he had in two, it, from two thousand nineteen onwards. Because even though he won a challenger in two thousand seventeen, he only got to two hundred ninety eight in the world. He's already sixty five spots above that. And obviously defends nothing until, well, defends nothing until he has to defend one point in February 2023. And then until uh, until April, May, he's not going to have anything to, uh, to defend again. He's now into US Open qualifying range. Honestly, he seems like it, he will he will be one of the more one of the more dangerous unseeded floaters there. But if he plays like this, I'm not sure he'll even be unseeded <laughs> because he's yeah. really just he's not dropping any points. He's just going to be adding, 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 and adding to these uh, to the tally. So may, maybe there's not enough, quite not quite enough time for him to make it. But still, uh, yeah, it, it's you know the amount of natural talent that this guy has. Maybe it also gives some some hope to the. Uh, players like you know, Mochizuki, who are, have been great in juniors, definitely have great hands, but somehow you know they 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 cannot really grab the physicality required. Wu, you know, he disappeared for three years and came back even stronger. In in a way, maybe this the pandemic, the, the injuries, maybe they helped him in in some weird shape. Yeah. Uh, and as for our, uh, as for our finals here, Ben Shelton, uh, he began in qualifying by beating Toshide Matsui, uh, six of six two, and then also beat Liam Draxel. Uh, in the main draw, he dropped his only set to Govindananda in the first uh, in his first match. Uh, he turned around one six three in the third. Then he beat Ribakov, Kovacevic, Uchiyama six one six three in the semis, uh, but lost to Wu in the final. Uh, he moves up 110 spots, number 323 in the rankings, breaking the top 400. Uh, yeah, just how impressive was Ben Shelton this week? Yeah. Oh, oh, very. I mean, he, he's 9 3 for the year in the pros, losing to Wu, Hijikata, and Kubler. I'm pretty, pretty much no, nothing, no, obviously nothing to be ashamed of there. He's actually going to play Hijikata again in Indianapolis, which is, which is interesting. Uh, the, how ref, much more refined his game is compared to 2021, it, it's just such a stark contrast because he obviously had that great lefty serve and forehand combo already, but it was like very raw. It was very hard to say what Ben Shelton was actually going to play like in, in a couple of years. And right now it seems like he's just really matured so much, even though he only you know, he only played one uh, he, he only played one college season in the meantime since we saw him in Champagne in, in 2021. Uh, this is just, yeah, this is just incredible. And I don't think he's going to be back in in the, in, in college at, at the University of Florida because this seems like, this seems like he's just too good for that now, honestly. And especially if he was able to know, grab a win at the US Open or something or keep this run going all the way because he i'm not sure if it's a written rule but i'm pretty sure he has a wild card for the us open because of being the ncaa champion like some riffis did last year and obviously the case for riffis was 
nowhere near as strong because Rufus really struggled in the uh, in the pros after after getting that championship last year. Yeah, he he's scheduled to play qualifying in Lexington in a couple of weeks, um, and playing this week yeah. as well. Yeah, yes. yeah, as a as a special exempt in Indianapolis. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So so he should definitely be an exciting uh, guy to watch at the U.S. Open. Uh, going over to the semifinalists, uh, we had Yasutaka Uchiyama. Um, he started by beating Elite Two, uh, who's still waiting for his first uh, challenger win, beating him 6363. Uh, then he beat Yaxu uh, 7662, uh, before taking out my pick, Yoshito Nishioka, uh, 367661. He was actually down 3 5 uh, in that second set as well. So really turned that, turned that match around. Uh, but yeah, ultimately looked nowhere near uh, to beating Ben Shelton, <laughs> winning just four games. Um, yeah, the other semifinalist was maybe a bit surprising for me. Maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but uh, seeing Fikovic <laughs> reach the semis was interesting. Uh, obviously, the first rounds were sort of easy-ish. Uh, McHugh, he beat 6-2, 6-2, and he got a walkover from Kiroj. Uh, but he beat Fratangelo and then won just one game against Wu. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on these two semifinalists uh, that we had this week? Uchiyama had a very Asian route for an American challenger. That's like, has nothing to do with his tennis, <laughs> yeah. of course. Yeah, after the Nishioka win, I thought he could be the first real... I, I, I guess Shelton had some trouble against uh, Nanda. The match against Kovacevic was, was close as well. But still, I thought he would like actually give Shelton some trouble. He did not at all, uh, which was, uh, you know, it, it made the, the youngsters run even more impressive. And Fikovic, I don't want to be disrespectful or anything, but after these two these two wins, the one against Rotangelo is certainly pretty impressive. McHugh just didn't really execute his game well at all. But Ibing who sort of took out the trash. Not, not that not that Fikovic <laughs> is, is trash in any sense, because obviously he's he's a great clay player. But in fast indoor conditions, you know, there was always going to be someone that uh just had a big edge on him, whether it was Wu or Shelton, it, it didn't really matter, I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair enough. Um, in the doubles, we had Enzo Kwako and Andrew Harris take the title. Uh, Kwako, who retired in singles uh, due to back pain, uh, then went on to win the, the doubles title. This is always just so bizarre to me uh, and, and weird. Um, but yeah, here they are. Uh, yeah, and they beat Gonzalez Stauder in straight sets in the final. Right, we can go into match of the week and upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Start with the upset. I think for me it's pretty clear. Although there were some, there were a lot of good picks. Uh, Hocus over Taberner or, or Skatov could certainly be considered. I did consider them, uh, but I think I kind of have to go for. Uh, yeah, I have to go for Nicolas Davidiano beating Borna Choric. Also because of how lopsided it was. And because of how much, how high my expectations were after Chorich played that fantastic week in Parma. Um, yeah, I, I have to go with with, with Hocus over Tabernet. Uh, Skatov has these matches sometimes where uh, where it feels like he could lose to potentially almost yeah. anybody. 
but then for Hocus, a guy that I had not heard of before uh, to go and beat Taberner, I was very surprised. Uh, yeah, who was your match of the week? My match of the week. <clears throat> I do not know what my match of the week was because I, as always, forgot to. to oh, okay, I know. Uh, I'm gonna go with Kachin over Kim. I think this is the one I enjoyed the most at night again. So great atmosphere in Verona, even watching from your computer. Uh, it's you, you can feel it. And as I said before, I mean, I just didn't expect that Kim had enough in his baseline game, not in the sense of power, but just controlling the ball and moving around the clay to, to compete with someone like Kachin. And he really did. He was even up a break in the, in the deciding set. Yeah, um, sorry, I, I I missed basically three days of, of the of the tennis because I was away. So I'm going to go with um, Maestrelli over Kachin in the final. Obviously, it was a, it was a bagel third set, uh, but I, I feel like the level in the first two sets was very high. Once again, the atmosphere was brilliant. They have that crazy light show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> every changeover, which feels insane. Um, but yeah, yeah. And, and just the emotion in my Estrelli once he won that title, it was, it was great to behold. Right. So I think we can go on to our previews and our winner picks. Right now, I have extended my lead uh, 12 to 10 with the, with the Greek score pick. Um, but yeah, here we go. Uh, let's start in Trieste, which is the only 100 that we have this week, where Norbert Gombos is, is the top seed playing Federico Gallo, uh, then facing Luciano Darderi or Andrea Criarini. In the section, there's also Andrea Seppi playing Mattia Bellucci and Nikola Milovic playing Francesco Passaro. Second section, uh, Gianluca Maguer plays Nerman Fatic. Uh, then they, the winner of that plays a qualifier or Caruso. Maestrelli is here with a special example playing a qualifier. And then Rodriguez Taverna or another qualifier. Third section, Cecchinato plays Andre Martin uh, with the winner facing Puccinelli de Almeida or a qualifier. Then we have a French derby of Blancano against Gilles Simon with the winner playing Meligeni Alves or Denis Novak, which should be a, a very entertaining match uh, with, with Meligeni Alves' form right now. Uh, then we have Muller playing Pellegrino. Well, I, I completely forgot that I picked Pellegrino as my pick. Yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. The winner of that plays uh, Gigante or Qualifier. Uh, the second seed here is Franco Agamenone playing Arnaboldi and then Renzo Olivo or another qualifier. In the qualifying, we have Zhijian Zhang, who I can very much see winning this. <laughs> he, yeah, he's, he's definitely a, a potential candidate, but first he has to beat Elio Belchitri. Also some other guys in qualifying, such as uh, Luca Van Asch, uh, Lucas Neumayer, um, Ernest Gulbis. You know, uh, the guys in the doubles, we have Hidalgo and Rodriguez as the top seeds. Uh, Agamenone plays with Duran, uh, Duran, you know, switching away from, from Andreozzi. We have a very exciting wildcard entry in Lukas Kubot and Shimon Valko, uh, which would be interesting for sure. Darderi and Ramboli are here. They've, they've been reaching uh, some deep runs. Arnaldo Eiseric are also interesting. And Molchanov Zelenai continue that, that you know, 
uh, you know, a quest for history for Igor Zelenay, but they have to face uh, Marcelo de Moliner and Felipe Meligeni Alves in the first round, which will be very, very tricky. And uh, yeah, definitely a doubles match I want to watch. But yeah, going back to singles, uh, who are your sort of favorites here? Yeah, this time we don't really have this many first round matchups between two possible contenders as we usually mm-hmm. get in, in Italian challengers. Gombos seems to have a very easy first round. Uh, even guys like Mager, although he's not, not in good form at all. Uh, Cecchinato plays Martin, that's a virtual buy. But yeah, <laughs> leaving, <laughs> leaving my Andre Martin campaign behind. Zhijian Zhang, yeah, I could totally see him winning this. Vanash maybe not winning this, but maybe making the quarters or something. Uh, I actually, when I saw Zhijian Zhang in the qualies, I sort of thought about making it like a, a special where I pick qualifiers only. But then I saw who the qualifiers are in Pozo Blanco and I was like, no. Uh, <laughs> so I think I'm going to go with Francesco Passaro. I mean, at some point he's got to win a challenger. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be this week, but Milojevic isn't is in, is in, is in good form. Seppi Bellucci, that's also not really a threat to Passaro probably, even though Mattia Bellucci is, is also developing and will probably at some point jump out of maybe not nowhere but jumped out of uh, jump out of obscurity to win a challenger because he's a young italian uh, and i like him to to i like i like passaro's draw if he's playing as well as he's been since sanremo basically so yeah that's what i'm going for uh yeah i've also picked passaro I, I was sort of looking at the at the first and third section some guys out of that maybe checkinato um, but yeah, Passaro, the, the, the first two rounds I like a lot. Gombos could be tricky in the quarterfinals, but then I think the semi, uh, you know, there, there's Maestrelli, but I, I don't know if he's going to make it uh, all, all the way there for the second straight week. So yeah, I, I quite like uh, Francesco Passaro as the, as the winner here. I was hoping to have like an un- inspired, unseeded peak here. And you screwed me up already. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I mean, it's still going to be inspired. Just before you said it. <laughs> it's, it's still going to be inspired, but it's going to be inspired for the both of us. And since, uh, you know, since it's basically a competition, I'm not going to care about it anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, 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 I will care about it for the both of us. Thank you very much. I, I want us to get, you know, high... Oh, point, yeah. Okay, high, that, that, that is that is also something that perhaps I should be looking at. <laughs> yes. Uh, next up, we're going to go to Tampere. Uh, that that's the way that I've ordered it here. We're going to where the top seed is Juan Manuel Serundolo uh, playing Lucas Midler, and then Niklas Salminen or Justino. Uh, also in the section, there's Dui Aydukovic playing Ferreira Silva and Genesi playing Kiker. Second section, uh, Rodinov plays a qualifier and then sells or another qualifier. Kuzmanov plays Sanchez Izquierdo and then Erovasa or another qualifier. Uh, Jombor Piroz plays Leo Borg and then Otto Vietanen or, or a qualifier. Um, Marterer plays Foretek and then Furness or Stebe. And then the final section, Tirante plays Horansky and then Loran Locoli or a qualifier. Mats Morain plays Herald Meltzer and then Sebastian Ofner or another qualifier. Um, in the qualifying, we have Juan Bautista Torres, uh, Arthur Fields, Harold Mayo, uh, Kirian Jacquet. Nobody really that's going to win this event, I don't think. And then going over to the doubles, we actually have a bye for Edler Midler in the first round. Uh, then we have Maximilian Neukris playing with Sam Weisborn. 
Um, who else is here? That's interesting. Balaji and Educejan have, have been sort of, uh, you know, regular quarterfinal outs uh, in recent weeks, which has been interesting because they've been playing these sort of weaker events. Uh, so I don't really expect them to go super deep here. Uh, and How yeah. about the Vasa brothers? The Vasa brothers, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the the Vasa brothers. We also have, I think, maybe Taylor brothers potentially, Adam Taylor and Jason Taylor. I've not heard of them before though. Uh, Galarza and Lipusik Puches are here as well. Uh, they they were the finalists last week. No, the Taylors yeah. are definitely the, the Taylors are definitely brothers. They've been playing a lot of ITFs. I think recently they they played something in Poland as well. Um, but anyhow, uh, yeah, the, the Vasa brothers aren't that bad, actually. I mean, they, they won an ITF recently, and last year they won a couple. And I remember watching them in Helsinki, and they they, they both of them actually looked quite promising. Aero is the the, the the older one, and he recently took a set of Ivan Nedelko. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's an achievement or, or not, but I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting, especially as he got a major wildcard here. His brother, Iro, was in the qualies, but he didn't do well. He only took two games against Aron Mayo, and that match lasted like 40 minutes. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they can do something in the doubles, because really, last time I, I watched them, they were they were very competitive. But then again, on clay, I think they, they might be worse, because they served pretty well and just seemed like they would be... Uh, better off on faster surfaces. Yeah, in the quality, there's, there's Arthur Fields who could certainly go super deep here, especially as he's playing Thomas Dipovsek Pujes. And even with Fields' inconsistency and mental sort of non, you know, instability, he should still be coming through these qualifying. So maybe if I picked Zhizhen Zhang. Uh, to win the title in uh, in uh, Trieste, then I would still keep my uh, my qualifying pick uh, selection going. But since I didn't, I am going to look at the main draw, and I might just go with Shombor Pirosh. He seems like a pretty good pick to me. I mean, he he did well this week. He seemed healthy. He took a set of Greek sport. He's getting a virtual buy in the opening round against Leoborg. I don't know if Virtanen, I mean, he always plays well in Finland, but on clay and after, after seeing him, so not, not, not too motivated in, um, in Braunschweig, I think Pirosh is the peak for me, even though I don't really, I'm not really happy about the quarterfinals against Marterer or Foretek, potentially Foretek can, can be healthy again, but yeah. Shambor Pirosh is who I'm going for. He hasn't won one yet, right? He, he made a final this year and last year, but I don't think he's won one yet. Mm. Yeah, Pirosh, I was thinking about quite severely because the, the first rounds are pretty nice. Um, no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to uh, match up with you here. I'm going to go with Sebastian Ofner instead. Of that, it starts with the qualifier. Morang has been bad. Meltzer didn't have the final in uh, Bogota, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Out a sort of, you know, like a super significant, impressive win. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ofner. I, I, I like Ofner here. Why not? All right. Let's go over to Pozo Blanco. Right. As I open this draw. Yes, Pozo Blanco. 
which is which is on hard courts. And we have Nuno Borges as the top seed here playing Antoine Bellier. Uh, then we have Maxime Jalmier playing Nicolas David Dionel. Uh, a matchup of two qualifiers, uh, and the winner of that will face Mirza Basic or Gregor Barrera. We have Hugo Umber here as the third seed. Uh, his ranking has dropped quite a bit at this point. Uh, he opens against the qualifier, and then Paul Job or Daniel Merida. Antoine Huang plays Emilio Nava, and then Vasek Pospisho plays Nicolas Alvarez Varona in that section. Altuk Chilibilek plays uh, uh, Alejandro Morocanas and then Fabian Marojan or Andrei Kuznetsov. Daniel Masur plays Carlos Sanchez Jover and then Hugo Grenier plays Alastair Gray. Antoine Escoffier plays a qualifier and then Michael, uh, uh, Michael Hertz or another qualifier. Constant Lestien plays Hiroki, uh, Hiroki Moria and then Thiago Seboshvild plays a qualifier. In the qualifying, we have... Uh, Menendez Maceras, Omar Jasica playing Tomas Bellucci, uh, which is interesting. Um, Dana Dead plays Hanwen Lee. Um, yeah, Kenny Deshepet lost to Alexander Kozbinov already, so he's out. Yeah, not, not, not a lot in there. Um, in the doubles, we have Cornea playing with Luis David Martinez, who won a title last week. And they actually match up against Bellier in Grenier, which should be an interesting first rounder there. Uh, Kenny Deshepper plays with uh, Maxine Janvier. Um, and that's about it, I think, in the, in the doubles as well. But yeah, going back to singles, this is an interesting one. Uh, and who are you going with here? Yeah. Pozoblanco is one of these events that also plays late at night, right? So this week is actually going to be quite interesting in that there's going to be a lot of uh, night watching in the European time zone, at least in terms of Spain night matches in uh, Trieste and obviously Indianapolis. Yeah, I kind of am thinking of Altuk Chalik Bilek just because last year this was really the time of the year when he was at his best and he seemed to have caught some rhythm in recent weeks and Hugo Grenier is an option as well he I think he won a Spanish hardcore challenger last year as well not as necessarily in this part of the season but still the conditions should be fairly similar obviously a very big story is what Hugo Umber is going to do here but do I trust him to win five matches I'm not certain about that Pospisil, after recently uh, falling to Barroso Campos, I don't like the pick. Nuno Borges playing Balier. Obviously, Balier with his style is always going to be a terrible, terrible first round draw. So yeah, uh, as uh, as long as much as I haven't been impressed with Altuk Chalik, be like ninety percent of two thousand twenty-two. <laughs> I gotta pick him. I think Morocanias is dangerous, but he's still uh, probably he's still a better draw than most other players in this field. So yeah, I'm going with Altuk Chalik Yeah, Chalik also was also on my mind uh, here, obviously with, with, with um, his sort of return to form recently or, 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 you know, so we expect him to return to form over this stretch of these uh, Spanish uh, hard courts. Uh, but obviously I don't want to match with you so I'm going to go with Hugo Umber I think yeah um, I, I, I was impressed with him at Wimbledon um, reaching the third round there it sort of felt a little bit like he might start turning the season around 
and he will have the opportunity to do that in this section, I think. Uh, starts against the qualifier. Job isn't easy, neither is Nava, but I don't really see Bospichel as a as a major threat uh, in in this draw. Um, yeah, I'm 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 happy picking Uber. <laughs> right, let's go over to Nur Sultan, uh, which is also played on hard courts, where the top seed is Roman Safilin playing a qualifier, and then uh, Tash Bulatov or another qualifier. Also in the section, we have Timofey Skatov playing a qualifier and Benjamin Locke playing Sergei Fomin. Dmitry Popko, who, by the way, I didn't realize how bad of a year. He yeah. Was. He's really, he's really sucked. I was putting in his, uh, his, his once again, zero point result. And I, I checked, I'm like, he, is he really, like, has he really earned like 30 points so far this season on the challenges? <laughs> yeah, crazy. Uh, Popko, anyway, he plays Rubin Statham uh, or Statham. Um, then Prajnish Guneshvaran or qualifier. David Poliak plays Akira Santilan, who I feel like I haven't seen his name in a, in a pretty long time uh, or thought about him at all. But the winner of that plays Yevgeny Donskoy or qualifier. Yevgeny Karlovsky plays Andrew Paulson, who I'm, I'm surprised to see that he's a direct entry here. Uh, but the cutoff is 477. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So um, yeah, the winner of that plays Denis Yevseev or Alibek Kachmazov. Uh, then we have Mikhail Kukushkin playing Lukas Katarina and, Gab- and then Gabriel de Camps or Qualifier. Final section, Ilya Marchenko plays Gregory Lomakin uh, and then Jan Bodarevsky or Denis Istomin. Shintaro Imai plays Baby Djukaev and Jay Clark plays Daniel Sukirman. I'm almost afraid to look at the qualifying uh, and I should be because I recognize very few names here. I think uh, Yankee Erel is the top seed and he gets a buy into the final qualifying round. So that's Dominic Palan, the, the second seed. Jisung uh, Nam, I recognize. Uh, Ivan Lutarevich, I recognize. But yeah, I, I would be surprised if any of these guys make it, make it deep. Uh, in the doubles, uh, Gregory, uh, Gregory uh, Lomakin and Benjamin Locke are the top seeds. Uh, they have a bye through to the second round. Um, some other pairings here, Paulson and Poliak are the third seeds. Faiziev and, Fimo, uh, and, uh, and Fomin are here together. Istomin plays with Karlovsky and he actually plays uh, Yevgeny Donskoy and Alibek Kachmazov. Uh, Santlan and Statham are playing together against uh, Jisung Nam and Min Kyu Song. Uh, Popko plays with, with, with Zuckerman. Uh, yeah, we can go back to the to the main draw. Uh, yeah, who do you see as, as sort of the main favorites here? Yeah, the, the, this is just another wild event in Kazakhstan for players that schedule themselves um, very smartly, like Jay Clark, for example, because he seems to be yeah, going to all these and weaker challengers. And he, he's yeah. the king of Kazakhstan. He loves it. He, I feel like every single time he's there. Even the, <laughs> even this year, he was in Mexico in that hardcore one. Uh, he won, yeah. uh, or, no, or not won, he lost in the, no, he won, right? Over, over in this Maceiras, uh, Morelos. Yeah, and it's uh, it's both smart and kind of unimpressive, but I mean, yeah, <laughs> uh, of course, if there's an opportunity, you should be taking this. It really makes me wonder because we have three challengers scheduled in Thailand. Uh, these are challenger 50s, uh, I think August and September. And it really makes me wonder what the field li- will be like there. 
Yeah, because, I, I, I do uh, wonder who will go there because going to Thailand is, I think, a lot more expensive than going to Kazakhstan. It's probably going to be just Asians then. Uh, there was a, a series of, I think, two 25Ks this year, which were held on Guam. Uh, Guam is, if, if someone doesn't know, it's it's like a U.S. overseas territory on the Pacific. It's more, it's closer essentially to Philippines or Japan than to the States by a lot, or maybe even to Papua New Guinea. Uh, I'm not sure, like it's, it's around the middle of all these, all these three things. And the, the fields were so weak that Toshihide Matsui was a seed uh, even with the <laughs> ranking outside of the top 1000, I mean, it it was really wild. There were pretty much only Asian players, a lot of Japanese guys, a lot of Koreans. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure what to expect of Thailand, which is you know, still mainland Asia. So, so it's still going to be much easier to get to than Guam, that's for sure. But anyhow, in, in Kazakhstan, yeah, that there's a couple of guys who are... It, they seem above the field, but then again, they haven't really been playing well, like Safiulin, Donskoy. Uh, you know, the, the recently they just haven't done well at all. Kukushkin is, is pretty interesting to see here as well. I'm honestly just, I, I think I'm just going to go with Jay Clark again, because he's time, time and time again, he's proven that in these weaker challenger fields, he can actually dominate and... I honestly don't know if in this quarter that he has, I see anyone that's capable of beating him right now because Istomin at some point, Marchenko at some point, obviously were capable of that. Right now, I, I'm not convinced. As he said in the qualies, I, I don't really see anyone going deep here. Jan Kierel, yeah, Danilov, no, no, not, not really going to the semis or the finals. That would be that would be surprising. Popko, as you said, nightmare form. Skatov, I'm not sure if he can do it on a on a hard court. Yeah, I'm just gonna go with Jay Clark. And by the way, there's a very funny uh, flash score error because it says that uh, this tournament is played indoors, and normally that's not really a joke or anything. I mean, it is just a mistake. But right now, the indoor event is held off by a rain delay. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, the 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 yeah, the challenger is played out on outdoor hard, just like the Nur Sultan events that we had last year around this the same time of year. And I think Jay Clark also won one of them or was like in the final, right? Uh, yeah, Clark, Clark final is lost to lost to Purcell. Yeah, yeah. You have so far, I think, picked everybody that I've wanted to pick uh, for her for. Uh, and once again, I'm going to not not take the bait. I'm not going to uh, <laughs> uh, match with you here. I will instead go with Mikhail Kukushkin. I don't know what the motivation level will be here for Kukushkin, uh, but the tennis wise, he should be good enough to win here. Um, the section he's in is not particularly difficult. I mean, none of these sections are particularly difficult. But yeah, Kukushkin, I'm, I'm going with him here. We get to close out in Indianapolis um, with the Rajiv Ram Foundation uh, in the Challenger, uh, which, which is fun. I didn't know that Rajiv Ram had a foundation, but here we are. Uh, the top seed here is uh, Petar Gurevchik playing Nishej Basaveradi. Uh, and then a potential difficult second round against Yibing Wu, who's in with a special exempt uh, playing a qualifier. Vatanuki plays Galarno, and then Mitchell Kruger plays Alex Ribakov. JJ Wolf plays Andrew Harris, and then Uchiyama or Ramanathan. 
uh, Eubanks plays Brauer and then one of two qualifiers. Dominic Kepfer is here playing Enzo Cuaco and then Per Volarakis or Litu. Fratangelo plays a qualifier and then Kovacevic or Kozlov. Uh, Liam Brody plays Max Purcell and then Borna Goyo or a qualifier. Ben Shelton plays Rinki Hijikata and then Timan Reitoven or another qualifier. Um, yeah, very interesting field. I'm I'm curious to see what you will make of it. But first, let's look at the qualifiers we have. Uh, Yak Siuksu is the top seed, but we also have uh, Yuncheng Shang. Uh, we have Ulysses Blanche here, Aidan McHugh, Billy Harris. Uh, so some potentially intriguing guys. In the doubles, we have uh, Hans Hach Verdugo playing with Hunter Reese. They're the top seeds. Uh, Koako, a champion last week, plays with Chris Eubanks. Um, we also have Toshide Matsui uh, playing with Kaito Uesugi. Uesugi yeah. Yes, uh, Goyo plays with Shang uh, in the in the doubles. Gonzalez and, and Stauder are here as well. Uh, they were finalists last week. Hijikata plays with Nicholas Monroe. Uh, Raja Sharan are, are here. Galloway Lawson play Margarelli Uchiyama. And Ramanathan and JP Smith play Hadi Habib and Lee too. Uh, but going back to the singles, yeah, what do you make of this draw? I'm very curious to hear. Yeah, there's plenty of guys who could win it realistically. Lots of good first rounds like Brower Eubanks, uh, Kozlov Kovacevic, of course, Brody Purcell. Like I could easily imagine both guys winning. Shelton Hijikata, the, the rematch after Hijikata was one of the three guys that Shelton lost to this year so far in the pros. Uh, interesting, important to note that three players are basically, well, fighting for their top 100 debuts here. Kozlov, Van Reitoven and Wolf. Wolf mm-hmm. is currently four points out in the live rankings. Uh, Van Rijtoven is 12 points out and Kozlov would need 29, sorry, 31 as things stand because he dropped uh, some result from last year. Kozlov is actually facing like a real race to, to get there because soon enough all these points from the summer of 2022 are going to start falling. Van Rijtoven and uh, Wolf are in a much, a much better spot for sure. And this week, we've also had uh, two guys break the top 100. So Wessler and O'Connell, finally, <laughs> even though mm-hmm. O'Connell didn't play. Uh, and he's also going to start dropping some points soon, especially the Atlanta quarterfinals. So maybe it's good he, he got there in time. Anyhow, uh, yeah, maybe the two finally gets a challenger win, but I don't think he wins the challenge. <laughs> he wins the whole thing. <laughs> I don't think there's also any qualifier capable of winning this. Obviously, guys like McHugh or Shank could be dangerous. Brandon Holt has been winning numerous ITFs this year, but I don't think he really has the level to compete in challengers. Just doesn't really have the, the weaponry. Um, yeah, Goyovchik has all the weaponry, but the form is, <laughs> all, we all know what. Uh, Wu and Shelton, I don't really want to go for another week, especially as Wu has... Uh, you know, in his career, he struggled so much with injuries. Generally, his body doesn't respond well to overplaying. So oh, yeah, not... three retirements this year already. From exactly, yeah. yeah. And we, we're constantly talking about like his form being amazing and uh, the fact that he's healthy now. But is he three retirements this year already? And he, his body just really doesn't reply well to to a lot of pressure on it. So I think I'm just gonna follow up on my pick from last time and go with JJ Wolf. I don't think he's been playing close to his best, but I think he's still one of the favorites to win it. 
And this time, Ibingu is unlikely to be there to stop him in the semifinals because of what I what I just talked about. Although it obviously might happen, and Ibingu's section is actually pretty decent. So yeah, I, I am going to go for Wolf, but uh, it's not it's not a pick I have a lot of confidence in. I think you could certainly you know, justify like most of the field here, really. <laughs> yeah, Wolf. I was also looking at, um, but I think I'm going to go. God, I'm going to go with Tim and Eitelman. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, didn't uh, you know? Lost first round in Newport last week, but the the confidence that he had on grass to to follow up the Den Bosch title with that fourth round run in Wimbledon that was incredible. Um, I and I and I feel like he has to enter this with a lot of confidence. He starts against the qualifier. It's a tough draw, I think. He, he Shelton or Hijikata yeah. in second round has to be tough. And Ferrer, I mean, also yeah. the, um, you know, potentially Kovacevic, uh, Kozlov in the semis won't be nice either. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 I just feel like he's going to enter this this week with with a lot of confidence. The, the Newport conditions are famously, uh, you know, very very weird, even compared yeah. to grass that we have nowadays. <laughs> Uh, so, so I wouldn't put too much, too much sort of, you know, stock into into that one loss to to Kruger. Okay, fair enough. And that's going to be it for today. Uh, we're gonna see you guys in a week when we're going to discuss Trieste, Pozoblanco, Tampere, Nur Sultan, and Indianapolis, or Indy as it's called in the um, in the name of the place. Do people actually call Indianapolis Indy? I have never been, so I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. Yeah, <laughs> I figured maybe someone you know talked to you about uh, uh, about Indianapolis or something. But okay, uh, I, I think Alex Graskin once said like something like Indy uh, when he uh, when he texted me about something like he was driving back to Indy. So I'm assuming he yeah. I don't know if he's actually from there or, or, or something probably. Uh, I just well, assume... I've, I've never really been to the Midwest or wherever Indianapolis is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's in it's in the Midwest probably. Anyhow, yeah, uh, the U.S. is obviously a very huge country. Uh, from Georgia, they'll be going to Indiana. Oh yeah, it's the state capital. We should know it. Anyhow, this is very very <laughs> off topic, and I don't even know why we're talking about that. So yeah, see you in a week. Bye. Bye.